Blog Talk Radio. Well, he's not here yet. Let me let me go back and um, well, Jennifer Drew is not on yet. Confirmed it yesterday. Yeah. Oh boy! Yeah. Imagine what it's like when we were doing it live. Uh no. <laughs> uh, you know, I did the first live feed from Saigon for Huntley Brinkley. And we had no fifteen. Mi- yeah, we had fifteen minutes um, when the two satellites were al- aligned, and we, did, uh, we. I was in Saigon, and it was just, it was just a wild time. Oh and, my God! Uh, I can't. I can't even imagine. But the interesting thing is, um, uh, Bill McAndrew personally called every one of us afterwards to congratulate us, including me, who was the copy boy. Uh, I thought it was, uh, he was really uh, an old-fashioned executive. Uh, Mm -hmm. Died at his desk, heart attack. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Right at 50 uh, Rockefeller Center. And uh, I got got you for the, the Governor's Island thing. Oh, cool. So you just show up. Apparently, we're on a list. But it's interesting. There's four levels. And uh, I don't trust one level, the top level, you don't pay for anything. Second mm-hmm. level, you, you have you can go to 10. Third level, you can go to uh, three. And the four, fourth level, you have to pay for everything. And I, uh, I don't know which one they're going to give us. I, I just simply this. Uh, she's a sweet young thing, but she knows absolutely nothing about PR. We're going to the uh, when this finishes. We're going down to Baltimore to the uh, uh, um, East Show. West. The East Show. The, yeah. Uh, oh, good. Yeah, yeah we might, we'll get some people out of that. Also, hopefully, some advertisers. Checking. Um, Did she write back? What? Did she write back? Not yet. Not yes. Mm. I just liked what I saw about this guy. You know, the offering coffee on the beach and things like that.
I did tell you we got Westwood One interested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't told I haven't told Dan because he tells everything to Mark. <laughs> got an email from Scott this morning saying he was really excited. Yeah, but it sounds like the radio stations are basically saying, "Pay us, you get the advertisers, but you're basically going to pay us for for doing, you know, to put it, put yourself on our on Correct. on uh, ABC." Yeah, well, so no, you know, no skin off their noses. They just, you know, I, I agree. They get their money, you know. But I mean, it's something nice to. Uh, put it up against uh, whatever they come up with. It's always nice to have something in your pocket. Yeah, that's true. Everything going okay with the uh, the other board? Are you almost done with all that? You, you, you don't know it until the check clears the bank. Well, uh, because we haven't heard what the politicians want. You know, I'm, I'm, you know uh, uh, I'm, I'm cynical. It all depends. It all depends. They have to pass the, uh, the new marijuana law, and in the law uh-huh. is a, is a clause allowing us, specifically us, to um, a switch from a nonprofit to a profit. At which point, when we do, um, acreage holdings, it then buys us out. Um, but um, I, I tell you, if I were, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, buy the stock when it when it comes out on uh, um, April, September 5th, uh, 25th, because these guys know how to do it. Uh, you know, at the, uh, we had an issue. The original people that lent us the money. Um, I'm, I'm going to switch over. I'm always worried. I go back and forth with the two programs. I just sent them the, the call-in number again, uh-huh. just in case.
Well, let's let's do well, while we're waiting. Let's do the the uh, thing for uh, um, David. Um, David. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. You go first. Okay. You can find Jason Dow's website at gladdiesgoodies.com. That's G-L-A-D-D-Y-S goodies.com. You know, the net, the network that carries this program 24-7 has as its chief engineer, Jason Dodd. Let me start over. Sure. You know... You know, you know the, that the network that carries us 24-7 has a, as its chief engineer, Jason Dow. He's also the creator of Laddie's Goodies. It's an unusual dog food company, and we're happy to have him on the program. Is this Drew? Yes, it is. Huh. How are you? Already? I didn't know if you were talking to me or not. Now we are, Drew. How are you? <laughs> very good. Very good. Okay. We're, we're going to start in five seconds. Okay. And the Jersey Shore has always been a hotbed of innovators. And one of the most recent is Drew Edelman, co-owner of Bottom Bean Coffee. He's here to talk about how how his unusual Seaside Heights coffee shop does some innovative marketing. Drew, welcome to the program. Great. Thank you. Happy to be here. Well, without further ado, uh, our co-host and I will take over. Thanks, Don. As uh, as Don was saying, Drew Edelman is the founder and CEO of Bada Bean Coffee. I have to pronounce that properly. That's a right. Retail, yes. <laughs> a retail we got to make sure we clarify. So, so, yeah, so anybody's yeah, listening, yeah. Bada Bean, B-E-A-N, and coffee spelled C-A-W-F-E-E, the right way in Jersey. Absolutely. Uh, it's a coffee and food business in Seaside Heights, New Jersey. Drew, from what I read about your background, you're a serial entrepreneur. Um, could you talk a little bit about your vast experience in clubs and bars and how this prepared you for your current venture with Bada Bean Coffee? Yes. Awesome. Yes. You know, I guess about been in the nightclub and um, bar industry for the past 25 years and, you know, started out originally with the um, a themed nightclub called Polyesters. That's two words, P-O-L-L-Y-E-S-T-H-E-R-S. And obviously that was a 70s-style themed nightclub. And then we uh, enhanced it a little bit more with, with going with Culture Club, which became an 80s-type theme, and we opened up 22 night locations across the country. And then while out west coast, then I opened up um, about nine more other places that were, were, were more uh, up-to-date, you could say. And then uh, once we were out of the club business, I realized, well, while still in the club business, I realized there was a lot of money to be made in the liquor world. So we started a company called Devotion Vodka. And uh, it was a sugar-free, gluten-free, uh, American-made brand, which is still going on right now, actually. But we've been doing that for the past nine years. But the interesting thing that came about being out in the West Coast is every time I opened up a nightclub traveling from east to west, 
I would always, you know, people would always say, what are you asking for when you, when you want your breakfast or whatever? I said, coffee, coffee. And uh, they would, they would not, they used to say coffee. They used to say it the wrong way. So we said coffee. So I always found that interesting. And then while the Sopranos came around, obviously with their theme with Bada Bing, B-I-N-G, um, we would do a Sunday night, you know, with our dinners out in our clubs and restaurants out in the West Coast. And I just came up with the idea of Bada Bing as a coffee bean and using the right way of saying it, coffee. So I just rolled you through about <laughs> 10 years with a couple different businesses. You know, Drew, um, it's it's very interesting to me to hear hear all the things that you've done. And it's, it's somewhat about being uh, ahead of the trends or sort of being on the crest of the trend. So what, what have been the challenges for you in being in the hospitality business and staying ahead of those trends and staying ahead of, you know, what's current with the consumer? Well, yeah, that's, that's actually true because you know what, you have to be innovative. I mean, and staying ahead and, you know, you have to be up on your social media and, you know, like our bottom bean coffee pages have been open for the past 14 weeks and we've had 600,000, uh, impressions just from, you know, being innovative, you know, getting it out there, you know, market yourself, market the brand. Um, you know, I stand on a roof on one of my uh, videos at the Bonavine Coffee Shop in Seaside Heights on the boardwalk, and people think that's insane. Yeah, but, you know, and then you videotape it and you, you do your thing and, you know, it, it gets attention. So being innovative, being fearless, being from Jersey, <laughs> and uh, coming up with a unique brand with a unique saying, unique slogan, I think always is a benefit to starting a new business. You know, it's um, you're originally, I'm assuming, from Jersey, and you were out in San Francisco, uh, yes. where, you know, obviously a lot of trends start on the West Coast. They tend to start on both coasts. But you moved back right. to New Jersey. Was some other reason that you came back to Jersey? You know what? We When I launched Devos and Vodka, you know, we initially launched it in San Francisco. Then I, you know, I have a, you know, more better following, better relationships, better brand building skills on the East Coast. So I said, you know what, let's keep the brand going on the West Coast. I bought it East, came back East, and then basically, you know, took the Bosch Vodka and dominated with the, you know, the whole Northeast, utilizing my relationships in the past and everything else. So that was a, a big factor on moving back East. Fantastic. And, you know, it's, um, I, I did view your videos and they're very entertaining and, you know, it's interesting because <laughs> I think food and entertainment have somehow, uh, yeah. commingled, uh, yes. you know, it's the business on a boardwalk and the boardwalk in Seaside Heights has to be really different from the businesses you were running out West and, Tell us a little bit about those differences and what excites you about it. What excites you being uh, in Seaside Heights? You know, yeah, you know what? I think having a business on the boardwalk in Seaside Heights is different than anywhere in the world. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, regardless of East Coast, West Coast, and even being on the East Coast, I mean, when you're on the boardwalk, it's it's a whole different whole different animal. Um, it's it's like a um, uh, you have you have to you have to get attention. Listen, you have you have about a hundred you have about a hundred days to 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 make money and to have a business. So while you're doing that, you have to actually you know pull out all the strings. You know you have you have to captivate an audience as is walking by, and that's what we've done. I mean, I, I took my model on this location on the center of the boardwalk, and I took the whole entire menu and I wrapped the building with it with the menu. 
because I knew that was going to be an eye-catching and also a marketing tool. You know, it's, uh, it, it is very interesting because you, you opened during Memorial Day weekend, and as you said, right. you sort of have this mob-based Sopranos-themed menu, which you actually explain in your video, which I thought was captivating. <laughs> well, I give everybody it, a jersey, a, a one-on-one on jersey, yes. Exactly. <laughs> a tutorial. Yes. Even yellow police tape invites you in. Yes. Um, yes. I, I, I think I'll crime scene. Yes. Exactly. Um, I would love for you to tell our listeners, what, what have you learned since opening the store? Well, you know, you have to, like I said, what, 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 I, what I kind of thought was the right idea is as people walking by, you have to grab their attention. So, you know, and then, you know, obviously as, you, as you're on the board, you learn from that, and then you can enhance it a little bit more. Like I said, yeah, you hit it on the head. You know, people just have stanchions out in front of their place. No, I actually, you know, made them a yellow crime scene tape. It was called Bada Bean Crime Scene. And just off the bat, people look at that. And then, you know, you know, putting the menu on the outside and adding the names, you know, I don't have your normal small, medium, and large coffee. No. I have your soldier, capo, and boss. You know, that shows, you know, the bosses being the big guy, so that's a large. So it's small, medium, large, and it's soldier, capo, and boss. So right off the bat, people walk by, and they, they, it just draws attention. One thing after another draws attention. You know, bottom bean crime scene tape, the stanchions, and then they see the sign up on the top, and it says bada bean, and everybody goes, oh, my God, bada bean. Then they say coffee, oh, my God, C-A-W-F-E-E. That's how I say it. <laughs> And they take a picture or they take a video. And, you know, and then you just enhance on that. And then it catches their eye. And then, obviously, they see the drinks like, you know, the gumad, the forget about it, the witness protection, um, our donuts, you know, with the associate, um, you know, Shylock specials, associates. Everything that someone kind of tags and relates to somebody, obviously, from Jersey, and it's, um, it att- grabs your attention. Could you talk a little bit about some of the products that you're offering or some of the food items that you're offering as well as coffee? And has it, has it changed at all as you've learned something about the customer on C- at the Seaside uh, location? Yeah. You know, it's funny to say that because with Seaside Heights, you never know what's going to happen. In the morning, you get your coffee drinkers. I mean, we open up at 7 a.m. You get your coffee drinkers. They come up. They know exactly what they want. And you get your basic coffee. You see a little bit of lattes, little cappuccinos. But then as the day goes on, you know, now we have the ice uh, cappuccinos, ice lattes, ice coffees. We have the nitro brew. We have the cold brew. All that stuff, you know, with ice coffee, it's kind of changed the way. So we, we, we you know, being at the beach when everybody has an, um, an option of getting uh, a soda or another soft drink, you know, we make the coffees iced and we make every other, something that you would always get in a, in a, in a coffee shop, we ice it. <laughs> Uh, watch and actually on our menu it says watch it or you'll get iced and it has our whole menu of you know the stool pigeon and all that fun stuff so yeah and then we also offer you know you know i always say we put them on a bagel but it's a pork roll egg and cheese and we also order offer taylor ham egg and cheese because there's always that big dispute in jersey what is it called so i just put both of them on the menu and they're actually the same thing (laughs) so people uh (laughs) they can order their own stuff you know, we had a quite a warm summer, not quite so much now, and but we're in the middle of September. Um, how long, we, you, you mentioned earlier, you have 100 days to sort of 
make the plan. Um, How long will you be open? And um, could you talk a little bit about uh, any plans for new locations? Oh, awesome. Yes. Well, right now we're going to, you know, just like it's summertime. So, you you know, everybody knows that's from the area after Labor Day, it stops. It's Tumbleweed Tuesday. So after that, we open on weekends up until October. And um, we just, and I hope I'm at free liberty to say this, we um, just signed a deal for a brand new location in Asbury Park right across. It's going to be a brand new building right across from the new hotel they're building up right there in Asbury on the boardwalk. Um, we're going to have neighbors like Maruka's Pizza. Um, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be phenomenal. And then I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but um, just came back this week, and it looks like we'll be in Newark Airport. It looks like we'll be in Paramus Mall, the Garden State Mall, one of the fifth largest mall in the country. Um, and uh, also another mall in Connecticut, another mall in Long Island, and then we have a couple off-side um spaces that will be going up in Staten Island and in Bergen County. Well, that's going to be quite so a lot to manage. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be yeah, very busy. Be busy. Yes. You'll you see know, a lot of crazy videos, trust me. <laughs> I think so. Um, I want to return back to the Seaside location a little bit because I'm always curious, and I'm sure our listeners are, managing crowds can be a challenge. How do you manage getting people their drinks and food without them having to, having to stand in the hot sun so long? Well, you know what? We, we designed a system. You know, we took over a, an old Dunkin' Donuts, I should say, and, um, and there was always complaints with the Dunkin' Donuts with just that. You know, they had their, you know, different uh, heat issues there. Um, they had um, a weight issue there. So what I did, I, I obviously utilized our Bada Bean Crime Scene tape stanchions and developed two lines. So they just came up to – they come up. I put two people at the front. They take the orders. So there's two separate lines instead of one line. And then we mimic, we, we duplicated one side to the other side. So it just literally cut the time in half of what the previous um, donut shop had. And we just utilized it. And that's just from years of experience in this business and also years of experience knowing the Jersey Shore and, and uh, how quick and, you know, so you get a, a happier customer if you get a quicker customer. And uh, noting that, uh you are quite an actor as well. Uh, you recently proposed to your now fiance right in front of the store. You have to describe <laughs> that scene for us, please. Yes. Well, that's interesting. Um, you know what's funny? We, um, my fiance and I, we we always do these carpool karaoke's. We do some videos. She's a very good singer. I am just a a backup, you could say. So um, on this particular time, um, you know, I was planning on you know getting engaged and I want to have, you know, something fun to do it. And um, I was going to go to another location, another location. I was going to go helicopter. I was going to do all this different stuff. And I said, wait a second, let me uh, tie this in with something that her and I are both building. And it's, you know, bottom bean coffee. So I spoke to, um, as you can see lately, you know, you'll, if you watch YouTube videos, you'll see some police help and the community help people help you do your thing. You know, I spoke to uh, the chief of police, Tommy Boyd down there, who's, just a, a rock star when it comes to the you know, police world. And I told him my idea, I just want to drive my car on a boardwalk, park it right up next to Bada Bean, and get her out and propose to her. So I sang a song to her instead of her singing to me, which was a little tough, but it's, the song was the old blood, sweat, and tears, you make me so very happy. And by the end of the song, we were right up at the boardwalk, 
And I was let her out, and uh, I asked her to be my wife, and she said yes. Thank goodness. <laughs> yes, y'all got to go through all that. Yes, yes. You know, uh, I noted that you also have an online store with free shipping. How's how's that going? It's going almost. You could say the word too well because our first initial time when I announced that we're having the online store. We had orders from, and I'm not lying when I tell you this, Alaska, Tennessee, California, Florida, Arizona, Georgia. So we got pummeled, and it was great. You know, I just just literally been answering some emails and questions from some people this week. I ordered my shirt almost two weeks ago. I was not getting there, and I said we had to send them out in packs of 100 because Mm. – it was just that many. We weren't expecting it. It's a very good problem to have, but, you know, now we have a couple of the kinks worked out, so now anybody that wanted to go on our store at BadaBeanCoffee.com, remember you spell it C-A-W-F-E-E, um, you'll be able to purchase your shirts and you'll be getting them sooner than this first group of people did. So I apologize, <laughs> and I hope everybody understands, but it's a, it was, we got, we got swarmed, killed, but, you know, we learned a lot during this, and now we know how to do a lot smoother. What what talk a little bit about what you're offering online? Uh, right now we offer we have all different types of shirts. Um, the, you know our 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 website's going to be telling you all the new future locations that we're going to be doing, and it also feeds into our Instagram and also our Facebook. But we're offering men's and women's shirts. You know the women have a much more variety of shirts, more colors, more styles. Um, we're also starting to inundate our merchandise, so we'll be doing bada bean mugs. Um, bada bean cups. We're doing. We're going to be doing towels. We're going to be doing um, umbrellas and everything else. Especially when we start opening up in the uh, airport, we're going to have not only online store. We'll be selling them at the the new stores that we're going to be opening up too. And and have you uh, developed your coffee in a way that you want to sell that online as oh, well? Yes. So our coffee's become a hit. At, our, at the Seaside Heights location. People love it. And only because, you know, we sat there for days and days and days and, and, and combined different blends. Um, and I kind of made it the way I like it. And then I had to take that. And I said, wow, this is phenomenal. Everybody's like, well, this is strong. <laughs> so we did my version and another version. So we have a dark roast and a light roast. So and that describe was, describe the um uh the composition of your your coffee. Are you using arabica beans? Are you using yes, we're using arabica beans. Can, yes, uh-huh. arabica beans for now, and um they seem to be everybody really seems to enjoy our coffee, which I'm really excited about. And um we 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 use our own um inside type blend which I'm really excited about. And now when we open up our newer stores, we're going to be bagging the coffee. We're going to be also making K-Cups and um, the opportunity they can buy it at the store or they can even order it online. Fantastic. Um, You also, I think I read this online, you instituted a delivery service. Um, Can you talk (laughs) about, because I think the delivery service says basically that someone from the store, someone on staff, uh, will personally deliver it. And I was like, wow, how do they manage that? So what, what lessons learned yeah. from that experience? You know what? It started out just because of doing the videos. And then when I would, we would check out the back end, uh, a private message to the bottom bean page, and they would say, do you deliver? Do you deliver? I'm working, I'm working here at JR's, and I'm a bartender. Can you deliver? You know, you know, and I was like, you know what? 
you know, this would be awesome. And it started out with kind of employees on the boardwalk that couldn't leave. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of followed up with, you know, people actually on the beach. So we would say, hey, what street you on? And we had a little bike, a little little um, Surrey, you could say, <laughs> like a four-man bike. We put, we loaded up, and people would say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm on the Sumner Sumner Street uh, beach, and they just walked up to the top. We'd hand them their coffee, donuts, whatever they had, and um, also go deliver to the people, employees that were working that couldn't leave their job and position. So it started being a little different, you know. It's you know. We're all, we're all about bending the rules sometimes because here we have a bike on the boardwalk, and it's a, but it's for work purposes, not for pleasure. So we're actually bringing other, you know, the other 600 employees on the boardwalk, so their products that they usually couldn't get out or they couldn't get out there, you know, before their shift started. And you know, then we actually ventured to off <laughs> to a couple yeah. blocks on the street. So there was a couple other places that were asking for coffee in the morning and. You know, it got a little crazy, but it was it was it was a it was fun. It's fun to do, and it's 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 great to accommodate. Fantastic. Um, you know, I wanted to return a little bit to some of your other. Um, you were talking about uh, stores, hopefully, in Asbury Park and Newark Airport, Paramus Mall. Uh, do you see these as more year-round, or all, how, all how are you all envisioning your? Hundred percent. All of them will be year-round. And uh, how do you envision managing them? Do you see them as franchises? Do you see them as, you know, just part of your network and, you know, well, you'll our, employ our game, people our, and stuff? Yeah. Our goal and game plan is to initially core of corporate stores. We're probably getting about 10 corporate stores right up and going. And then once everything is nailed down where we have everybody in a, in a complete system, then we will be able to franchise. Oh, and uh, that that whole process is probably going to go simultaneously towards the end. Um, I'd say in about a year. And your um, partner is someone who actually is in the real estate business, so I imagine that's a really important competency that you have actually in the business. Yeah, Can so you talk a little bit about uh, about him? Yes, my partner Peter J. Panulo. He actually has you know a vast amount of contests and uh, contacts and experience within the real estate, which is helping us right now in this end of it. And he also has the ability with, with construction as well. So you combine the knowledge and history and relationships that he has with, with mine as well. And it, it, it winds up being a, a good family, quote unquote. <laughs> okay. Well, Don told me I have one last question I can ask you. And it's this, okay. if you had to give advice, to another budding entrepreneur in the hospitality space or what you've done with mm-hmm. Bada Bean Coffee, what would right. it be? You know what? Know, know, know your audience. Know your, know your, um, how do you say, do your, do your homework. And before you start investing money, make sure you really know what you want to get into. Make sure you know the business. Make sure you know what, who you're going after. And, um, that you have all your ducks in a row and your eyes dotted and your T's crossed because, you know, I, I've seen a lot of people get in businesses in the beverage world, in the nightclub world, bar world, coffee world that just waste their money. And at the end of the day, they finally figured it out. And by that time, their money's done and their, you know, the faith in them is gone. So it's just about knowing the business, being confident, going for it, having the guts to do it 
and um, not stopping and quitting until it's successful. That's great advice. Uh, Don, I'm going to turn it back to you. Really enjoyed speaking with you, Drew. As always, Thank very you, animated. Anne. I appreciate it. <laughs> okay, Don. <laughs> I forgot to mention the. Uh, I, yeah, okay. please. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I forgot to mention on on one of the um, on the Seaside Heights Boardwalk. I put a mug shot wall because it was like the mug coffee mug mug shot wall, and it's actually you know you can get up there and you you know when you should take your mug shot if you got arrested. You know, kind of fitting in with our whole, um, you know, wise guy type team. And we've had, I think there was the, one of the people took a thing, there was over 7,000 pictures taken this summer with people going up to the wall, taking a picture, facing sideways, because it shows your height and everything else. So we'll be implementing that in a bigger scale in our new locations. That'll be not, not of a kiosk style, but more of a walk-in type coffee style. So we have a lot of interesting, fun, new ideas that we're going to be implementing in all our new locations. Fantastic. Don, back to you. I always like hearing innovative marketing ideas. We've been talking with Drew Edelman of Bada Bing Coffee. I'm from New Jersey, so I'll pronounce it the Jersey way, coffee. That's right. A link to, <laughs> a, a link to his website will be on foodandwineinsider.com tonight where you can hear this and every other past and future program. And you can also tell us if you have a guest you'd like to hear. Drew, thank you so much for being with us. Hey, listen, thank you for having me. And um, you guys have an open invitation to any and all the new future stuff that we'll be doing. Thank you. All right. That was great, Ann. Good. He's very, very good. He's very entertaining. Well, Amber's on. I'm, uh, uh, right now, I'm having a little trouble with the system, so bear with me a minute. Sure. Uh, and Amber, bear with me. She's uh, listening in. Uh, there we go. I'm going to... Uh, Amber, you're, you are now live with us, uh, but how do you pronounce your last name, Amber? Lamkey. Lampke. Did I pronounce yes. it correctly? Absolutely. Okay. That sounds great. Well, give us uh, five seconds for our engineer, and we'll begin. Okay. And I'm really looking forward to our next guest, because you know me, I always look backwards uh, more often than I look forward. And she is Amber Lampke of Maine Grains. And she is bringing back the traditions of stone milling of grains. And I'm really looking forward to the interview. Amber, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be with you. Now, without further ado, here's Ann Daw. Thank you, Don. Uh, Just by way of introduction, Amber Lampke is president of Maine Grain and founding director of the Maine Grain Alliance. Amber, you've been leading Maine Grains, a wholesale manufacturing facility specializing in locally sourced organic stone mill flour and oats for the past eight years. Could you please talk to us about your passion in grains? Absolutely. Uh, Grains was actually not my background originally, Um, but I got involved in an effort to bring together grain growers and millers and wood-fired oven builders back in 2007 
with an interest in figuring out how we could grow more grains in our region for delicious bread, uh, really as part of the rise in the local food movement, um, which was gaining steam. So grains were really a missing part as farmers markets were gaining in popularity and people were turning their attention to sourcing more food locally. So I really came on the scene as an organizer trying to help bring voices together uh, to brainstorm and out of that led uh, the idea to start a business and a mill. Fantastic. You stone grind the grains to maintain their nutritional content. Could you describe a little bit the process and the benefits for our listeners? Yes, absolutely. So what we're doing here at Maine Grains is we're specializing in locally sourcing grains from area farms. We use special machinery for cleaning those grains before we mill them into flour or roll oats. And our milling technology is on traditional four-foot diameter um, stone mill stones that grind very slowly and at cool temperatures to preserve the nutritious oils in the flour. So that is one of the traditional ways of milling flour on stones that has gone by the wayside as we've gone to more modern, faster ways of milling on uh, steel rolls. Um, most folks, I often take them through the education of the difference between roller milling and stone milling. In stone milling, you're grinding the whole bran coat and the nutritious germ particle into the flour in order to uh, make a flour that lends itself to uh, fermentation and baking. In roller milling, it is a way to shear the endosperm part of the kernel, which is where the, the white flour is located, and separate that from the bran so that you can uh, have a white flour where the bran and the germ have been removed. So um, white flour is made on roller mills. Stone mills make a whole grain um, flour. So we were really focused on making whole grain nutritious flours for bakers um, in a different and traditional way. Fantastic. You also work with local business leaders and community members to bring the cultivation and process of heritage grains back to, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce it correctly, but I think it's in Maine. Um, in fact, I think you're using a former jail. Uh, please yeah. talk about how, how you've gone about creating this community and what you've accomplished today. Yes, absolutely. So here in Skowhegan, Maine, which is where we set up our mill business, we did end up purchasing a historic county jail building uh, that was built in 1897 uh, to start our mill. And the reason we did that was because not only was it a, um, an available downtown building with vertical height, it has four stories, so that's helpful in milling. We can send grain up to the fourth story and gravity feed it down through machines on the way down um, through our cleaning machines. So that, that was a helpful piece about this building. But also, it's on the cornerstone of our historic district in an agricultural area that has always um, seen industries in paper and uh, wood products and shoemaking and broom making and milling in its history. So agricultural products are, are important to the livelihood and the business community here. Um, so yes, we set up our, our startup mill in an old jail building, and um, it's been a highly visible uh, project that has attracted a lot of attention in recent years, given what we're doing. Um, the interest 
of late in heritage grains is really where main grains carves out a unique niche in the marketplace. Uh, you, you hear a lot of uh, talk about people being sensitive to wheat or allergic to wheat or, you know, of, of late people avoid gluten for digestion and nutrition reasons. And some of that traces back to what we've been doing with wheat in the last 50 or so years to breed plants that perhaps work for our agricultural systems but don't work so well for our digestive systems. So um, we can get into that some more, but we are definitely uh, seeing some success working directly with small farms in the Northeast to grow out rare old heritage variety seeds uh, that are acclimated to Maine's climate and increase that seed supply so that we can get some of these special grains into commercial production. You know, you did a great segue because I was going to ask you all about sort of gluten-free and the heritage grains. And um, I would love for you to talk a little bit about what what is it about Maine that makes it a great place to grow and harvest and stone grind these heritage grains. And talk a little bit about where the products from Maine grains are currently distributed as well. Sure. So, you know, uh, unlike what most people might think, you know, in the U.S., we think of grains being grown in, um, in the heart of our country, in the, in the Kansas wheatlands, where it's a bit hotter and drier. Maine is actually a cool, um, more moist climate. Um, however, we do have a rich history of growing wheat, oats, rye, barley, flint corn um, in, our, in our area. So, uh, Oats are one of the grains that we process here. They actually like a cool, sweet climate. They come up easily in our soils and have been used um, for decades as a natural crop rotation um, crop to, to actually manage weeds organically. So before we had chemicals to help manage weeds on farms, farmers planted things like oats and rye to outcompete those weeds in the soil. So oats and rye are still a common solution for organic weed management. And now the, um, the, the positioning of our mill in the marketplace also makes it possible for us to process those things into food-grade products. So it's really been beneficial to the infrastructure of Maine and the Northeast, and also I call it the ecosystem of the grain value chain in Maine for us to exist, creating food-based food-grade products out of a crop that was um, also used to manage healthy soils. So uh, are you suggesting, I'm sorry, are you suggesting that yeah. some of the heritage grains may in fact be better from a digestive standpoint uh, than what we're hearing about sort of with the gluten-free and the way, you know, grains are processed sort of more generally in the whole food process uh, system? Yeah, so there's been a lot of question lately about um, what might be going on with wheat in our digestive systems. And I uh, was fortunate back in June to be able to travel over to Bologna, Italy, to a conference on just this very issue. Uh, it had to do with the science and discovery of uh, land-raised heritage wheat varieties and the nutritional impact of those varieties. What we know is that uh, we... As plant breeders and humans, we select seeds and plants for the traits that we're looking for. And in the last 50 or so years with wheat breeding, 
We've been focused on selecting for plants and kernels that have plump seed heads, that um, grow a shorter plant to allow for the mechanization of plant of harvest. We've been selecting for varieties that have maximal yield per acre or maximal yield per kernel, so, so that we get the most flower out of the kernels that we harvest possible. So what I like to tell people is that it's also possible to select and breed plants that are, have optimal flavor or a wonderful color that lends itself uh, to your breads and baked goods. We could also be selecting for digestibility. So, so there is new attention being paid to um, were those grains before we started breeding for more modern traits, were those grains more digestible at one time? Were they more nutritious? Did they have more minerals? Um, were they more digestible? And so scientists are now turning their attention to answering those questions. And there is preliminary evidence that that, that may have been the case, that those um, wheats and grains that predated modern breeding have different nutritional characteristics and better digestibility. Now, we'll know a lot more in the next decade um, as scientists really dig into this issue. So I'm looking forward to uh, staying on top of the research as it comes out, but certainly focusing on diversifying the grain varieties that we have in our regions will help. And uh, the products that you have under Maine Grains, could you talk a little bit about uh, your product lineup and where you distribute today? So we, our current product lineup includes spring wheat uh, made into whole wheat flour, and sifted flours, which are kind of our all-purpose line. We mill about 40% of our business is organic rolled oats. We also process organic rye flour, felt flour, cornmeal, buckwheat. We sell the stone ground flour as well as the whole grain because we're starting to see some bakeries that actually want to mill their own flour inside the bakery right before they bake. So in that case, we sell them what's called the berry, the grain berry, before it's been cracked open. Um, and another large segment of our business now, about 17% of our business currently, is to breweries. So in the Northeast and beyond, craft brewing is becoming uh, a big market and a big deal as communities restore their village breweries. And so we sell our grains to brewers that use them to add flavor and color and texture to their beers. So we're focused up here in Maine on distributing pretty much to the, to the Northeast market, um, from Maine to New York City, a little bit down in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. We do sell a little bit out into the Washington, D.C. area. We have not built our business to be um, one that is focused on national markets, but rather a regional market. And to here in Maine, for us, Boston and New York are very big regional markets that we're able to serve. That's really terrific. You also have a kneading, as in K-N-E-A-D, conference yeah. and artisan bread fair, which you co-founded. Could you describe a little bit what happens at these conferences? Who comes and, and what's been created because of it? Thanks for the question. So the kneading conference is the effort that started in 2007 uh, that began all of this, that began the conversations between 
um, the, the grain players in this cluster that make our businesses possible. So it has become an annual event ever since. We host it every late July up here in central Maine, and it attracts uh, bakers and researchers and people interested in brewing and grain at all levels to focus on two days of intensive workshops on topics um, anywhere from brewing your own uh, home batches of beer to making artisan pastries with whole grains to how to perfect uh, the craft of sourdough bread baking and beyond. So it's really become a, not only a celebration of um, regional grain economies and spurring regional efforts in grain, but it's really connecting bakers and professionals uh, in a way that we sometimes liken to um, a, a bread camp, if you will, where folks can reunite and connect with each other. Um, several years into planning the event, we realized that our local communities right nearby wanted to come and experience pieces of it. They wanted to buy loaves of bread and uh, uh, get involved in some way. So we added the Artisan Bread Fair, uh, which wraps up the two-day kneading conference where we blow the doors open and we let folks come in and see what's happening. The Bread Fair now brings in about 3,000 people for a celebration um, uh, around wood-fired baking demonstrations, buying artisan loaves of bread, listening to live music, enjoying local food. Um, so it's a, it's a fun time, and we're really pleased um, that it's really taken off and that we can host something like that here in central Maine. You know, from what I've read, it seems that even uh, Skowhegan, I think is how you pronounced it, um, has had a bit of a renaissance. It was at some time ago, the hub of New England's breadbasket. Can you talk a little bit about what's happened um, inside the community itself? What, you know, what businesses are coming back, what, what things are happening uh, to sort of say this little town can be something pretty significant? Sure, uh, that's a great question. And I, I, I mentioned early on in the interview that, um, you know, our, our discussions around looking at our past, our agricultural past, and our industrial past are informing kind of the ideas and steps we take moving forward. But as you suggest, many of these rural towns, like Skowhegan, have struggled with the loss of industries that have left our communities. Uh, in Skowhegan, we have a rich shoemaking history. Uh, our, our woods and waters are part of the natural resource assets that we have here, and so wood products. Um, and the industries like making toothpicks and tongue depressors and paper um, have all thrived here at one time. Um, but many of those industries have left the area um, or have gone overseas. And with the loss of those jobs, communities like ours struggle to figure out how we will employ people um, and maintain um, a nice quality of life. So in 2005, Skowhegan became a designated Main Street community. Uh, there are many Main Street communities across the country, but essentially it's, a, it's an approach to revitalizing your community that receives guidance from the National Trust for Historic Preservation. And by design, it involves pulling together members of the business community, the town government officials, as well as citizens to really take inventory of your assets and figure out how the community uh, wants to move forward in revitalizing rural communities. So some of that energy really started with the Main Street 
program here in Skowhegan. And the kneading conference and the highlighting of our local food uh, here in the region has become a big, big part and a focal point of, of uh, an improved community, a, a community that's changing and finding hope in the things that we can do and that we do have to accentuate here. And I think there's been some recognition of that. In, in 2013, you received the Maine Downtown Center's prestigious Downtown Visionary Award. And in 2015, you were named one of Maine, Maine Biz Magazine's Women to Watch. What have these awards meant to you, and what would you like your legacy to be? Oh, thank you. It's been certainly humbling and a real testament to the, I think, the hope that people want to have for communities like this. I don't think grist mills are the answer for every small community, but I do think that folks are hungry for a project uh, to rally behind and that can help organize a town's efforts. And certainly for Skowhegan, the grist mill being located in the center of the town in a very symbolic project with a historic jail being turned into a productive hub of healthy food production um, has been a real uh, uh, a symbol and something that folks can rally around. So I've certainly been um, honored to be a part of that and uh, received support and recognition for that. So it does mean a lot. And uh, when you think, when you think back on sort of your successes today, what, what, what really is the highlight for you? What makes you feel proudest? I think the highlight for me, um, uh, you know, yesterday I was giving a tour to a bus group of about 30 people. And every time I tell the story of our early beginnings of this idea um, and each little step that has built up what, where we are today, I think probably what I'm most proud of is the cumulative effect of continuing to work hard and persist at a goal over a long period of time, even when you feel like you're not making huge strides all at once, but several years in, you can look back and see that each little success that we had along the way really does add up to a big success. So we've now renovated a pretty impressive uh, BMS jail building to include uh, not only the mill, but we've got tenants in our building that are also entrepreneurs who have started a knit shop and a community-run radio station and a cafe that features our grains uh, that are made here on site. We're now the host of a 20-member farmer's market um, and really have become a, a central point of um, vitality in our downtown. So never in my wildest dreams would I have pictured where we are today, and yet here we are. So I think um, I would hope for other projects that um, they set their sights on the long, on the long path. Uh, Amber, um, Ann dropped off for a minute. She'll be right back. Uh, bear okay. with us. Sure. Uh, that sometimes happens. Uh, she's okay. calling in. Uh, terrific interview. You really do know your, your subject. Oh, great. Well, I appreciate your having me. This was a connection made by someone I'm working with uh, from the oh. Specialty Food Association. Hmm. Hey, Amber, back, I got Ann. disconnected. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I got disconnected during your wonderful okay. talk about 
success, but uh, I'm sure Don's going to tell me we've run out of time. So um, I really want to thank you. You, you, you have two or three time. more minutes, Anne. Oh, okay. Uh, if I could ask one last question, um, what would be your advice to someone wanting to bring back tradition maybe to their community? As you said, it, it might not necessarily be stone grinding or, or you know, storm, stone milling, but something else. What would, what, would you, what would you give them for advice? Boy, I think my advice would be to um, listen and seek out the stories in your community. My path started with going to interview some of the elders in our community just to get their stories, not only because I wanted to know what had happened here before, but I wanted to make sure that their perspectives were integrated into our plan, and I, I think that that's critical. I also think that being able to examine the why is really important, and I'll give a quick example. So I have a farmer this year who tried growing wheat for us, and he came to me last week and he said that, unfortunately, there was a lot of um, what you would call contamination of rye in his wheat field. So what that means is that when he harvested his wheat, the wheat is all mixed with rye. Well, in some of my uh, uh, conferences and dealings and learnings about grain in recent years, I learned that in old French traditions, you might actually mill flour that is a combination of wheat and rye, um, and bread bakers had very traditional ways to use it in special bread. So we might not need to look at this farmer's plight or issue as a problem. We might be able to look at it as an opportunity to revive discussion about a cultural bread uh, that was once important to France. So, you know, understanding why do you think those uh, breads were were part of French tradition? Probably because those farmers were having the same issue with intermixing of wheat and rye in the fields. I don't know, but that's what I would guess. And so we're going to try to turn that obstacle into an opportunity. Well, fantastic. Uh, and with that, uh, Amber, I want to thank you so much uh, for your time, for what you've done in terms of your community in Maine, for the success that you're having with Maine Grains. And I'm going to turn it back to John. Thank you so much. Well, all I know, it's been a fascinating interview. Going back a little bit, we've been uh, talking with Amber Lampke. Uh, your website again, Amber, for people who want to know more? It is maingrains.com. Maine as in the state, M-A-I-N-E, grains with an S. What a wonderful. We, we will have a link on foodandwineinsider.com tonight where you can hear this and every other past and future Food and Wine Insider program, and you can also tell us if there's a guest you'd like to hear. Again, Ann Lampke, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much, Don. Have a great day. That was really good, Ann. Yeah, really fascinating what she's doing. I think it's fantastic. I mean, rejuvenating a town is like amazing to are you okay? Yeah. Yeah, all of a sudden I got disconnected. I don't know what happened. It just like dropped me. 
<coughs> it's very strange. Well, I just told Dave to fix it. So we're all set. We're set for next week. And uh, uh, I'm going to uh, I'm having a lot of trouble with my computer. But uh, let's try to go for 1030 on Monday to talk with Dan. OK. OK. Uh, the only thing is um, I, I'm really unclear who we have for next Friday. So if you even have a preliminary list, that would be helpful to me. But, um, you know, that it just would be helpful. Uh, it's the three people. It's, yes. Um, uh, okay. It's the three people from, um, I will, I will confirm it. I unfortunately cannot go back there and, and check right at the moment because, um, uh, uh, I can't open the, um, the, the accounts, but it's the three people. Um, one of them, hold on one second. Sure um, um, it's the, um, it's Diane, Diane, uh, Lily, she's got the three and I just added a fourth. Yeah, I just don't know who her three are because I had Sarah Sanfear yeah. from Sarah Snacks. I had Andy Reicha of Garden Light, and I had Erica Forrest, who was from uh, B&G Foods, their spices and seasoning. Then That's you said it. there was That's someone from Palammer, Palam, um, the jam company, but I don't know who it is from there. From the jam company? Yeah, uh, Palamer, uh, Palamer, P O L A M E R. Hold on a second. Let me let me try sure. one more time. We have Garden Lights. You yeah. got that one, right? Michael Skalski. Yeah. Okay. Who? Wait a minute, Michael. Who? I don't have a Michael. I don't have that name at all. I don't know who that is. Michael Skalki. S K A L S K I. Confirming Polander. Polander jellies. That's the one you're asking on September 21st at 10:55. Okay. And then there's Garden Lights. L I T E S. Yeah, I'm doing this. Okay, and then hold on. There's one more. A Spice Islands with Erica. Yeah. Okay. Spice Islands. That's fine. But well, who's the guy from Palammer? Hold from on the a uh, Jam Company. Just give me that name again, and I'll just. Yeah, Michael Skalski. Michael. S K L. S K A L S I. Scalsi, not ski. S K A L S K I. We'll be doing the interview. S K I. Okay. Okay, because I know you had a little bit of a back and forth, but I never got a name out of it, so that's why I wanted to be sure I had that. No problem. Now hold on a second, and we have. Um. Sarah Lamphere from Sarah Snacks. 
is I have that let that list that name on my list. Um, I, ha I had another. Hold on a second. Uh, we um, sure. um, We have a new one. The one I'm going is uh, um, GM of K and, and plus Dave. Uh, it's Kai Bu, C H I B U I, head check with here. Wait a minute. C C H I, right? B U I. And Dave now. Hold on. Hold on. I'll get his name. Dave oh, Montgridge. Dave, spell the last name? Oh, M-O-G-R-I-D-G-E. Okay. Montgridge, I guess. Okay. And that's the one okay. that also there was, there were two, um, uh, there were two chocolate yeah. companies, right? Yes. And Sasha Shenokal. Because she just said something. What did I Chai View and K and M extra virgin chocolate, Lauren Cool. And mm -hmm. she was she just sent a note saying following up on this, uh, but she didn't um I don't know if she's waiting for you to Well, to I just sent her a note. Are we confirming? Yeah. But um okay. I, I just sent her a note. But that that's the that's the two I I thought of uh, that okay. I have. No, 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 that's fine. I mean, I, she never wrote his last name, which is a little maddening when these people just give you a first name like we know who these people are. You know? <laughs> well, uh, welcome I know. To well, I know. World. Welcome to your world. I know, I know, I know. I know. Mm. Um, but, so is he going to talk about both chocolate companies or is he just talking about the one? Because I just did chai B-U-I and um um, I'll work it out with her uh, by Monday, and we'll get one on, and then we'll get the other one on later on in the year. Yeah, because um, Chai Boo is a person. He's a head chocolatier, and Dave is the GM of K&M. So I think Chai Boo is a person, and then there's this K&M chocolate company. Um, that's that's my understanding. Okay, you're probably right. Um, I, I, like I say, I, ha I have all my, all my notes are gone. And, uh, uh, yeah, this, no this worries. System. Yeah, uh, the system. Uh, suffice to say, we have the three. I want to get them out of the way. Um, okay. Because uh, Diane's uh, uh, her big account is um, um, the, the cheese company. Um, Old, the famous uh, Carl Carl Yarsberg, and I want to get right. the president on because he is a terrific. I met him and I uh, I want him on, and she keeps fighting me, but I want him on because he's such a articulate and great guy. Um, right. Um. Uh, so I'm I'm playing her a little bit too. Um, okay. Uh, but um, but we have four. Well, that gives me a little bit of work. I actually I'm have now five. 
two, four. I actually have five. And if Chai Boo could be, he's a, the head chocolatier. The question is, are we going to get him on separately? Okay. Um, but who's the other one you have? I have uh, Sarah Lanfear, who's Sarah Smack. Okay. Let me let me go and check. Sarah Snacks. Hold on a second. S-A-R-A Snacks? H. Yeah, S-A-R-A-H apostrophe S Snacks. Let me me see if I got it in my system so I can... Sarah Snacks. Let's see. I got it now. Well, here we are. September 21st at 9:55 a.m. Right. Okay. I will. Um, I will reconfirm her. Okay. To Sarah at oh, that's about Renola.com. That's her. See. Uh, she's. Uh, yeah, that's about Renola, right? Right. Now it's called Sarah's Weekend. Excuse me. She oh, was, yeah. She yeah. was nuts about granola. Now she's oh. Sarah's sweet and savory snacks. Right. Well, this is the one I want also because she. I think she's succeeding her mother, which I thought was interesting. Uh, yeah. She's, uh, the time has come for her. To, she's stepping down, and she's passing the torch to Gail Lanfear. So she's yeah. the founder and the former CEO, and she's passing it along. Yeah, definitely. So, well, Okay, I'm going to say, uh, uh, who do we, we want, Gladys, or we want uh, Sarah? Uh, well, I think uh, when you wrote to them, you said we would love for you and your daughter to join us via phone to discuss yeah. how you transition your company. So I don't know if it's going to be both of them or one of them. or It's always good huh. to talk to the founder, you know. Um, but that's that's. Anyway, that's what I would that's what I would suggest. Here, let me. Um, I'm going to copy you right now. Are reconfirming, confirming for next. Friday at one at nine fifty five AM Eastern for Sarah and yeah. Girl. Food, Wine Insider, Insider, 646-929-2337. I just um, sent a note. Okay. Perfect. But hopefully I'll get the system fixed by then. So, okay. 
have a good weekend, and we'll talk Thank on you. Monday. Okay, Monday, you said 1030? I'm going to send an email right now. Okay, I have, um, maybe we could do it a little bit later, because I have a mammogram and an ultrasound, which is just a regular checkup thing, and it's like at 9.15. I just don't, you know, how what, hospitals how are. About 11, how about, uh, how about noon? Uh, noon is fine. Yeah, take out the, uh, take, take off the pressure. I'll make it for noon. Okay, that would be great. Okay. Thank you, Jim. Okay, perfect. Have, Have a great a weekend. Day. You too.